Hey y'all, Alan here, and welcome to A Journey's Rest, a podcast focused on the vast but deep set of topics about the complexity and joy of roleplay games. Whether you need to attune to a magic item, regain some hit points, change out spells, or just reminisce with friends, here we just sit down for around about an hour and enjoy ourselves. Have you been struck with the necessity to play tabletop RPGs only to realize that a deadly virus exists that you don't want to catch? How will you ever get your much needed fix? How do you make the transition into online play? In this episode, we'll talk about how we have migrated to online play and some tips and tricks that may help you get that ever needed RPG fix. Hope you enjoy. Go ahead and do crap sake. Yep, yeah, there it is. The video has begun. <laughs> okay. So, Zach, um, we are... We should probably do some introductions. Do we do introductions at the beginning of everyone, I guess? Probably. Hi! Okay. My name is Alan. No, <laughs> my name's Zach. No, that was a lie. We reversed them. You've been bamboozled, listener. Ha ha. You, Be- you owe us lunch money now. Become Yeah. You owe us both a soda. And your soul. <laughs> This is a D&D podcast, and we talk about <laughs> dumb shit uh, uh, and D&D. Um, so, hi, everybody. We hope you're having a wonderful day, and thank you so much for hello, hello. coming over to spend some time with us. Um, so, Zach, yep, yep. we had a pretty cool topic today that I think um, you were, like, really excited to start to introduce. So, why don't you go yeah. ahead and, and get on into it? All right. Um, so, today we will be uh, uh, talking a little bit about um pretty topical uh thing that i think a lot of people are experiencing today uh in this modern day and age of complete and utter chaos and just like free fall of yeah. uh, the destruction of society oh, yeah. you know just utter terror day to day but uh um and that is the ways of playing yep. like the different ways of playing D and how that manifests um specifically well i mean there's like different facets of each but we'll talk about um, in person, otherwise known as tabletop, we'll talk about uh, uh, over video chat or or voice chat, and we'll talk about play by post, which is a, a, one of them that I think a lot of people don't necessarily know about. We'll probably touch on that one, but um, the main one, the main focus will be the transition from uh, tabletop to uh, playing online, because I think a lot of people are going through that right now or yeah. hesitating to go through with that, especially for other DMs, because it's it's a big transition and it's there's a lot of different ways that that works. I agree. So, and, and right now, I think that um, our options in this moment are kind of just like online or play by post. So mm-hmm. um, do you think that we should talk about um, we should probably maybe talk about person first and then how we would transition to either of those. Um, and yeah. maybe what would be the best option for uh, for a group of any type of size? Yeah, well, yeah, and group sizes totally plays into that, right? Because, um, I mean, group size is already its own kind of issue, even, ju- even if everybody can do the super convenient version, which I think most people would agree is tabletop. Although I will, I will say I have met people who prefer to play online or even prefer play-by-post, mm-hmm. but most D&D players, I think, would would like to sit around a table and, and roll dice. Yeah. Um, so yeah, given that even within that, there are different subsections. For instance, 
I have had many players who, for some goddamn reason, want to play in a living room so that they can sit in a recliner and relax. Yep. And this, to me, is the bane of my existence. I, I'm sure, I think you may have some awareness of this, but it is like, I, I just, it makes my skin crawl. I hate it. I hate playing in that setting where everybody is like yeah. 10 feet apart from one another. Oh, I because hate Because it just, that. it just like breeds like people not paying attention. Yeah, I agree. Either you're uncomfortable, but you're paying attention, or you're comfortable and you're in Never Never Land. Right. So that, that, yeah, I mean, that's like a huge argument that I've had on like session zero yep. for many different people for many different campaigns that i've run um including the first one that i ever ran that you were in yeah I think. yeah and like that whole time well to uh, be fair my... that was definitely not the first one that you ran in your life i mean you're very much more oh, seasoned no. but yes no I mean, well eh, seasoned you could put too much salt on a bagel that's, okay so that, that's <laughs> you could put too much salt on a bagel that's probably my favorite quote that we've had in this podcast so far <laughs> Yeah, well, but, there it is. Yeah, no, I agree. I think there have been times when, um, especially when you and I have been sitting at a table together, um, and I think there's something kind of magical about, like, designating one table as, like, the D&D table, because then oh, people yeah. start to assign that some sort of value. They can look at that table and say, this is the table I play D&D at, whereas if Absolutely. they are in a recliner or sitting on a couch or something like that, I think couches are a little bit more reasonable because they are often pulled up to coffee tables. But Mm -hmm. um, when it gets to trying to do that stuff, if you have players that just kind of sit back and don't really engage with the table, they kind of disengage from the whole situation. Right. And and it's it's there's something magical about trying to get someone to involve themselves with a table that brings people into the moment and if you don't have one of those type of focal points in the middle of your room i think it's a lot harder for people to really kind of engage with that no i totally agree i i think a good setting to me in in uh person at least is is it creates like this sense of community and actually i think you and i should talk about the table so what once upon a time alan and i uh found a number of resources and avenues that we were able to to pull upon to create the table. The we table. made this fucking huge D&D table. Oh yeah. And Alan like painted the 5E like ampersand on it and everything with spray yep. paint and we like stained it this really nice like red color and yep. we totally fucked up the design in certain ways but it was pretty damn good for our first I still have it table, dude. I, I moved say. it into my new place. That's awesome. That's yes, awesome. I still have it. Uh, and it was a sheet of plywood. So it, yeah. like a nice sheet of plywood, but a sheet of plywood. So that means four feet by eight feet, mm-hmm. um, which is a really respectable size. And I really like that. And actually, I was even trying to get one foot on the sides. I don't remember why. It was like to put something in the middle or something. You really wanted to. You really thought that the width was not enough. And I was like, I did. I was like, four, we need another foot. It's four feet and two inches wide. How much more width we could fit an entire one of our friends lengthwise across that? That's a dig at her height. We won't say what her real name yep. is, but that's wow, brutal. I can't believe we just said that. <laughs> no, we're gonna have to hold a funeral now. I know. I know. And... She's. I'm so sorry, everybody. My my apologies. Uh, that all, all in good fun. Okay, I'm sorry. I'll recede back into my into my soul right now. My bad. 
no, but uh, no, but seriously, I think it was it was a great table, um, and it, there was something magical about it, honestly, because absolutely there was this ability for people to like, look, wow, this is the D and D table, right? Yeah, yeah, they associated the game, they associated the environment with Dungeons and Dragons, and it did help bring people in and get them in a certain mood. For the most part. I mean, we still yeah. had issues with that, but that could probably be attributed to other things, not yeah. to the table itself and the environment. I agree. That, that setup was awesome. We also had, like, surround sound and oh, everything. Yeah. But I will say this. We made the table, and then the legs were too long and didn't work at all because we were there was literally just posts, and it was not going to hold it was, the table. It was, the table for was some reason, we wanted over it to and be rip like, itself apart in we one second. We wanted the table to be, like, four feet tall for some reason. But that's the thing. That's what I'm getting at is we made that table and it's beautiful and it's awesome. And I will concede that the width was more than adequate. And I don't know what the heck I was talking about. But immediately we diverged. I would have preferred to have it up high. And I kept on being like, maybe at some point I'll work on the legs and get it working. But we ended up just putting it on a bed frame. And it was maybe like, what, like a foot, foot and a half off the ground. Maybe two feet or so. Yeah. Yeah, good and then everyone though. sat – it was good enough. And everyone sat in office chairs around it. Um, and absolutely that worked. I mean I ran a whole campaign that way. You ran a whole campaign that way. Yep. It, it's it's It wasn't a problem. But obviously you and I have different preferences for our our in-person D&D setup yep. as a DM mm-hmm. and, and what the, that would look like. So what is your ideal in-person D&D setup? Yeah, so I think one of the so I think this is a great point to kind of just like jump into um, how we want or the pros and cons of uh, of in person game, right? Um, yeah, I think right now my my personal preference would be in person game. I want generally uh, a reasonably sized room, a table where everybody can sit, um, preferably with their legs under the table. Uh, so that they have actual space to be under the table. Um, yeah. But uh, preferably that, um, uh, I would prefer surround sound because it helps with immersion. Absolutely. If I had like infinite resources and time, I'd probably do like set pieces and small bits of terrain and painted minis for everything. Um, yeah. Do I have that type of resource? In a perfect world. Probably not. Yeah. In a perfect world, yeah. Um, those are important things to me. Um, and you know what? A DM screen is kind of like, it's, it's important enough for me to say it, but I definitely can understand not doing it too. The DM Um, screen. So I I would say that it's nice for me to have reference material for things like, yeah. So that was what I was going to ask about the DM screen. You, you like it to separate you from the players and like make it so you could do secret stuff without them seeing, or you like it so that you can put a bunch of like quick reference rules on it, it's, or both. Yeah, for me, it's actually more about the like, quick. What, reference why do you rules. like the DM? Screen? Yeah, it's more about the reference rules because I mean, I could look it up all on my computer, but I'm already doing so many things on my computer. It's like I don't want to have to deal with that. But if there's something where it's like, oh well, I need to look at DCs or I need to check um, conditions or things like that, that's important for yeah. me to have really quickly. And, like, I can put sticky notes up on my DM screen. I'm like, oh, I need to re- remember this. And so I'll have, like, a pad of sticky notes behind yeah. my DM screen while I'm DMing. And if something goes crazy and I need to remember it, then I'll write it down on a sticky note and put it up. Um, and that's actually something that wow. I've lost as I, I transition to online. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Totally. Well, what about you? Um, what would be your no. preferred um, preferred? Well, that's way? why I asked is because it's changed, Alan, and you changed it. 
actually in the in the environment that I learned to play D and D in, it was a lot more like you know like negative, like DM versus player and stuff. So I learned that uh, either I I, I like I, if if I didn't have a DM screen, I would literally set up books. And it wasn't about having reference stuff. It wasn't about organization. It was about making it so that I could fudge dice rolls uh-huh. or they couldn't see what monster I had pulled up in the monster manual yeah. or something like that. It was like a much more like combative version. That's fair. And seeing how you adapted your setup to better suit your play style really actually like – I never really talked to you about this, but it totally like changed how I did things oh, as wow. well. Oh, wow. I didn't know about that actually. This, this yeah. is brand new stuff for me. Yeah. Well, like your whole like uh 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 conditions set up and everything and like you had the the different uh DCs which yeah. I'm sure we'll talk about at some point which that system is amazing as well. I actually love I that always system. Suck at that. Yeah, it's really good. I use it for everything now. Um that system is basically instead of randomly determining a number for every single skill check which is damn near impossible because the rules are just not strict enough to show you how to do that so a lot of dms end up spitballing which can lead to really bad things one way or another um alan has made this system where it's basically just what is it it's easy normal hard and like really hard there's and then they think there's easy normal or there's easy medium hard really hard and insane oh you added insane i added because when you first showed it to me it was just four. Yeah, I think I added oh, an insane, which it usually – so the system kind of breaks down when you get to really high levels, like maybe yeah. maybe 15 to 20. It really breaks down. But for 90% of D&D games, it makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. And so uh, – but, yeah, we can I, – I think that that would be an awesome thing to write down uh, to do, like, tips and tricks for DMing uh, at some point. But I don't think – Oh, and it is As we trick. go into this, it's – it's uh, it's it's really useful. I think the the DM screen can be used as um, a tool not to, you know, pit me against the players or, or make it be, mm-hmm. um, you know, fudgy. I think that I, do- I totally agree. I would love for the players not to see what monster I've looked up in the monster manual. That's important to me, right? And, and the is. DM is useful for that too. Um, but yeah, I don't, I find myself being rewarded a lot more in D&D when I commit to the dice rolls that happen. Right, mm. because I have had moments in the so for for example, I ran two sessions uh, last Saturday and then this Monday. They were both boss fights. I oddly enough, I didn't even expect for that to happen, but they were both bo- both boss fights, right? Yeah, big big okay. ones, right? And I seriously in both games, I kept rolling super bad numbers, and wow, I just I got in there. I think I I pit it. I so. Okay, so here's a, here's a bit of a breakdown of what was happening, right? Uh, okay. I um, I had this character. Uh, his name is Imthok, and he was fighting my PCs, and he was a mummy lord, right? And for for the Ooh. sake of this current situation, and that is a DC yeah, yeah. 15 character, right? And so okay. I was like, okay, well, this is they're they're gonna face a DC 15 character. They were level seven. And okay. uh, everybody out there who knows what DC or, or what um, 
or what CR. CR. C- I said DC. Yeah. What the hell? Sorry, everybody. No, you're good. The, the I last, understood. The last 50 seconds of this podcast must have been fucking insanely confusing <laughs> for anyone who doesn't know what exactly I'm talking about. No, but um, so he's a CR 15 creature. Among CR's the challenge rating. Challenge so it's rating. like how difficult the monster exactly. is. Yeah, so, so for anyone who doesn't know, challenge rating is based upon what level a play a group of four player characters should be at if they are to face that character. So for example, if a, if a um, if you fight a single creature with a challenge rating 4, then you should have four characters of level 4 and that should be a quote unquote balanced fight, right? Um, that doesn't necessarily always maintain truth, yeah. but um, yeah. nonetheless so the the whole thing was th- I was giving them this scenario where they were supposed to lose the first time and all die, right? And then yeah. the um the like one of our, my players has this special ability that he can anchor a moment in time and then they can revert back to it and then save try point. something again. And it's a save point, yeah. And basically, you can do it like once or twice depending on some roles. Um, okay. And I was trying to introduce that mechanic, and I'll have to find a new way to introduce it now because it's like this hidden power that he has, which all these people in this campaign have. Um, okay. And uh, and I was like, oh, this would be a cool way to do it. And I put him in the first thing, and my boss like kept rolling like two, five, two, five, wow. two, five, two, five. I think like seriously, it was it was a ton wow. of bad rolls. But you know what? They beat that boss, right? And they yeah. were like, I did it. We did it. I'm the best. And I was like, you know what? It would be cruel of me to rob them of that, you know? And so sure, I found sure. myself, even when I roll really bad or really good against my players, I find that I I commit a lot more to that. And it makes me feel like it's out of my control at that point because no longer mm-hmm. am I like almost subliminally railroading them. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I want the I want the game to speak, not me subliminally railroading them. But I can. I think oh, wow. I agree with that. Can you can you hear that bass outside my window? That was insane. I cannot. Okay, no. there was someone roll by. Yeah, no, no, no. There's a guy who works across my street on some cars, and he's he's so cool. He has these just like these awesome cars that he works on. Um, but I think wow. he's adding subwoofers to his car right now, and I was oh. so worried that the podcast would just be like. <laughs> I, like, I heard I heard nothing. So okay. you're good. That's on good. My end. All right, I'll probably cut this part out. Oh well. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, but but so I, I feel a lot better when I uh, commit to those roles because it feels more genuine to the spirit of D and D. Yeah. Personally, but yeah, and and actually giving me those DCs for different things and that system for DCs keeps me more honest about that. Um, and no, we'll that's probably go like in, about it. in depth yeah. a little bit more about that sometime too. Yeah. No. Totally. Um, yeah. So so DM screen good just in general. We both agree that dinner table is good. I like to stand up. I like to have the option to, to be standing. So I oh, yeah. like almost playing it like a, a tall, like, stool. I just like that in general. That's not not even a and d thing. I'm, I'm sitting at, like, a, a stool right now where I could stand up and be at my computer, and it's totally fine. Yep. Um, but, so that's in person. And there's probably more that we can even say about that, and I'm sure we'll cir- go in circles a little bit, because that's kind of how these things work. Um, but like, I think so many people are used to that and that has such a different feel than playing online, especially like if you play via discord and you don't 
do video chat and it's just audio yeah like people are constantly like stepping on each other's toes and like yeah. oh no you go and like oh no you go it's cool and stuff like that and it's it's a lot more difficult to sense what people are are uh feeling and like how they're whether they're involved and invested or not i think it's a lot more difficult to be invested um so these are all negatives right these are all reasons to not do online but i mean a lot of people i think have suspended their campaigns for months now well there's there's really no way Uh, to some people do it the other way i mean yeah there's i mean not really not unless you're playing with a bunch of roommates or something or you know you do like the the super in-depth like all right we're gonna rent a giant like warehouse and sanitize everything and like set up everybody's individual table right. like 10 feet away from one another right, right. and like ne- never speak or touch uh anything yeah like but most people can't do that right of course so yeah most the, people the scenario are... that you just described may be a little bit outside of the monetary possibility of many of the people who listen to this podcast i think i think that is probably correct so Online it is, right? Or nothing. Right. Yeah. Um, and we got so two that's a that. lot of the... Yes. Uh, well, yes. You have two... Like, you're talking about video or not video? Oh, no. I was or you're talking, talking about, about Roll20 or Discord. I was talking about chat versus play-by-post was the two. I, we can talk about uh, video and not video, though, too. That That is a... That's an interesting discussion in and of itself. Yes. And this plays into, like group size i feel like so yeah well but let's 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 do a quick overview of playing online and and video or not video and then we'll talk about how group size works in both because i want to hear what your like ideal group size is for in person and if it's the same or different for playing online and how that works and stuff i will say Um, that um my preferred group size in online is mm -hmm. about the same as my preferred group size in person but the same um but i think i could handle more people in person than i could possibly handle online because because i think that the thing that you talked about where people are trying to find those moments where they're not talking over each other is is a big thing uh what i've experienced in my time uh doing D online which has been occurring for the past maybe about oh gosh ever since we went into um, mostly online interactions um, was, um, you know, I've actually found success doing that because I feel like over time people have gotten better at it. And uh, that's Mm. good, right? It's not always easy from the get-go. But I think... No, not at all. I think that people have gotten better at it. And while that is a problem, I think that it only continues to be a problem where there's a clashing of personality. Um, Mm, that's for sure. And I think that that is the main course of like why it might become a problem in the way that you're describing it. Uh, I I found a lot of success with, with group sizes of about four to five players. Uh, I usually have, um, I usually have in almost all things, four to five players in my games because I don't think that I can realistically as a DM, I don't think that I can realistically involve everyone's stories the way that I would like to yeah. in a group that's larger than that. Um, yeah, it becomes a lot harder to cater to every single player and have their character be important in the story in some way. And even just the player themselves and, like, make sure that everybody has a chance to, like, 
participate. Of course. So I, I get that. Of course. Yeah, and, and it's important for me to make sure that every player feels heard, right? And yeah. it's sometimes hard. I mean, some players offer me more. Um, yeah. I will have players who will... Um, who will come up to me and they'll be like, oh, like, can I, can I talk to you about my character? And like, can we do this, like this thing? Like, I'm really, I really want to get them to this point. How can we try and get there? Um, oftentimes yeah. those players are the ones that um, I just kind of like by proxy of them being more invested in that conversation, I give them a little bit more. Um, yeah. But I think, I think that's probably common with many dms when players yeah. show that they have that interest in the game and they come to you and they talk to you outside of game about trying to advance what their things are and they have those conversations oh, for with sure you, it makes a lot of sense for you to want to be able to do that but at the same time i want to try and look at every player and say how can i involve you in some way and sometimes mm -hmm. people say oh like i come from the sea i do like shark hunting <laughs> and now I'm done. And that's it. I don't want any more character to get in the way of my murder hobo. And I'm like, I don't know. Uh, and this is that, that kind of goes into a, a session zero kind of discussion about yeah. like where you want the game to go. But nonetheless, I think it's easier for me to do that if I have a player size of four to five. Even in those moments yeah. where I don't feel like I have a lot of backstory, I still mm -hmm. feel like I can try and add in something more for that player. Like, for example, they're like, my father disavowed me a while back. Then I can say, oh, well, like, <clears throat> your father sent this b bad person to assassinate you. And then all of a sudden I have, like, an antagonist for that person with very little backstory to for want sure. to hurt, right? Yep. Um, That's the way to build a game right there. Exactly. And so, you know, like, um, there's a lot of ways that emergent storylines help a D&D &D group. And that's, gosh, one of my favorite things in the world. But I think four to five for me is probably the most yeah. conducive for almost anything um, in truth. Which is exactly what the, the game suggests. I mean, going back to the CR thing, yeah. everything's built around CR4, and they give rules for more or fewer players than that, but it's not really suggested. Right. It's it's actually, like, especially for 5th edition, like, in the past, it's been more adaptive, where it's like, this is how you calculate CR, and they don't really give, like, a standard. They're just like, count up how many players you have and count up this and whatever but also i will say that in previous editions cr was uh almost non-functional yeah there were monsters that you could throw up against a party of seven player or seventh level players uh five seventh level players and it was a cr like two monster and it would wipe the floor with them <laughs> they are they can't they can't do they can't like say you have a a party of uh, seventh level players and none of them have a magic weapon i'm pretty sure my memory serves ghosts can't be affected yep by any weapon unless it's magical so even though the ghost is way lower cr yep. it can just gradually one by one annihilate them especially yep. if it takes out the spellcaster first right so like there's there's loopholes in CR and it's not a perfect system you and you have, do have to take more things into account than just the the challenge rating. But I, I agree. Um, it's like it's like I throwing an this. entire party of of um it's like throwing an entire party of casters up against a rakshasa, like you're fucked. Yeah. Right. Because there isn't they're not going to do anything because they are not affected by any spell less than six level. Yep. So, so if the spellcasters can't cast six level spells, then they essentially can run up and punch it, which works great for spellcasters <laughs> yeah. who have dump statted strength. <laughs> um, but I have. So here's the thing. Earlier, you referenced that I have more experience, and 
I, I made a salt joke, but the truth is, um, the truth is that I kind of don't like, I do have, I have been playing Dungeons and Dragons for longer, but the kind of D and D that I play now, I've pretty much been playing for the same amount of time that you have. Okay. In because what, in what way? I've, what I'm getting at is I have run campaigns I think I ran an entire campaign, and the largest number of players I've ever done is eight. Oh, no. I've done nine or maybe even ten for, like, one or two sessions because I had guests, but I've run an entire campaign with eight players. Woof. And you can't do that. You can't do that and and have um, the players all be involved. I agree. The characters all be involved, and which is what we touched on earlier. But that's exactly how my environment differed from before now i do what you what you're talking about where i build uh my campaign and my story or at least i try to around the players or i try to build their backstories into it so yeah. that they're involved somehow so that they have a reason to care right because as good-hearted as many adventurers portray themselves as being it it lends more emotional weight to the story if they are actually involved as to if they just show up at a town and the people need help. I agree. You know? um, Do you feel so, like you are able to gain more, uh, more? So, so I've, I've had, sorry, go ahead and finish your point and then I'll come back to my current question. Um, and that way we can, we can make sure that we come full circle. Okay, sure. Um, so having played in that environment, the reason why I, it worked is because everyone was a murder hobo. Is because all we focused on was numbers. Yeah. I didn't even like like a a really good DM, a solid DM probably hears that their players are a certain class and, you know, looks at it. <laughs> I wouldn't okay. do that as a DM. I would be like, "Oh, you're like a a a reaping mauler. You've prestiged into that. Well, I'm sure you've satisfied the prerequisites. I won't ever <laughs> look at that." Which is partially because 3.5 had about 10 billion character yeah. options. Yeah. So I just, I mean, it was ridiculous. But it was also because um, that's how the game worked. I would come up with challenges and throw them at the players. And they would deal with them. And nobody asked any questions, you know. But it was fun. It was definitely fun. And it introduced me to this game. And there were, weirdly, story arcs. And it did involve players. But it just very rarely involved all the players. Right. It involved the players who that was that was a situation that was a style of play in which I did not extend the olive branch yeah. only the players who did what you're talking about and they stayed around after the game and talked to me about their character about what was going on and like gave me feedback and wanted to innovate those are the players who wound up being invested in the story and involved in the story right. and the players who didn't do that even if they were interested in like entertained and had even maybe built cool characters they didn't get involved in the plot. Yeah. They didn't get involved in the story because they just got left by the wayside. And when you play like that, yeah, it's a lot easier to have eight players. It's almost impossible, I would argue, for pretty much any DM to have eight happy players, entertained players. Yeah. It's probably also impossible for any DM to be happy DMing for eight players. It's, yeah. it, I mean, it's that's a lot of work. That's it's a, a lot. lot of it attention lot. to split. Yeah. However... This, this gets into setting. So I would, I think that I agree with you where I could DM for more people in person than I could online. But 
I can DM for more people in play by post than either of the other two ways. That's super fair. Um, yeah, play so by post is weird. Yeah, Zach. So I don't think that I've really tr- I, I I tried out play by post at, at one point. Oh, you did. Um, but it was with only one person because I didn't know how it was mm. supposed to work, and so I gave it a go with one person, and I I did it with actually with Jerry. Um, and. Uh, oh, okay. And it was about going through and finding this silver dragon uh, for a story beat that he wanted with his character after the game was over. And I yeah. said, well, I don't know if I'll be able to DM this all the time. It's, you know, it's summer. This was back yeah. when the world was real and we all got to go outside. <laughs> and then it was basically yeah. like, okay, just put some answers in here whenever you get the chance. Because we lived in different cities and things like that. And so it was like, okay, yeah. well, we can do this Scheduling by post conflicts. over time, right? And so... Mm-hmm. Th- that was the goal and I tried it out for a while and honestly it's just like I tried it and there was some stuff that was really good about it but I felt my yeah. motivation wane extremely fast and wow. um, I tried it for a little while and maybe it was that I didn't have enough people or maybe we both weren't invested in it maybe it was because we had previously played with each other at a table but Zach you've had a lot of um, a I lot have. of experience with this And that's something that I would love to pick your brain about because I know that you've even run, you know, like you've you've run Edia in play by post as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not sure if you ran the whole thing, but I know that um, I know that you've done um, a lot of it. And so I would love to pick your brain about what you think play by post brings to the table and and what you lose with play by post. Yeah. So. For play by post. Um, all of the games I ever played, or ran, because I never really, I did play in some games, but they're not, it's, okay, it's not really good. (laughs) Okay, so here's the really good thing about it. If you are eloquent, and you are a very good writer, you can describe stuff in play-by-post better than any other, any other setting. You really can. You can set the scene. You can generate excitement. You can generate interest. You can create fear. It's way, way more evocative for me than in person because I just don't have the time to think of like all the perfect little descriptions. You know, I can't go back and tweak it over and over and over again until it's just how I like it unless I've written it ahead of time. And reading something in person that you've written ahead of time is effective, but it, it, kind of loses something in a certain way you know it's it's yeah. not easy to do it's a trade-off right um, of course because it is a trade-off when, when you perform something i think that that that's a big thing um when so as we talked about in the last podcast i'm i'm an actor um as a hobby right i do like community theater and yeah. and things like that just because you I, have like some background in it as yeah well, I, so. I do yeah i do um but it, it's it's a blast for me and i think that you lose specificity but you gain um there's like a like a je ne sais quoi of of like yeah. doing something in person and having no ability to undo it, right? Absolutely. There is a yeah, there is a, a certain passion of it being in that moment and being unable mm-hmm. to undo what you say. Yeah. And so I think there there's two ends of the spectrum and they both evoke different types of reactions. Um, but I they definitely do. completely understand where you're coming from, especially with your background as a writer. That must make a lot of sense. Yeah. I there's one particular thing so the the one of the bigger downsides for play by post is that it's really slow 
For people who don't know what play-by-post is, by the way, we probably should have described this earlier. Play-by-post is you go on like a forum, basically, and you create a character and whatever, and you enter a game. Usually there's a lot of advertisements for a game. My favorite thing to use is uh, RPG Crossing. That's a very good site mm-hmm. if you want to play play-by-post because it's got like a, a fair number of people on it and also just a bunch of different games, a bunch of different like uh, 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 systems and all kinds of stuff. I mean, you could play sci-fi, you could play uh, Mass Effect uh, d20 system you could play all kinds of stuff on there it's crazy star wars whatever you want um but it moves like molasses yeah it's very slow because as you don't realize how often in D you have to wait for one person to do something you know and so there's a lot of ways to try and get around that i've seen uh some of the more successful ones include like trying to do group storytelling so the dm doesn't always have narrative control Sometimes the players are allowed limited narrative control where they can take it, uh, take a scene that the DM has set up and describe exactly what their player does and how they interact with the setting around them and then hand it back to the, the DM. And that's not something that would really be allowed in person, right? You can't walk into a tavern in D&D, have your character walk up to the bar and then narrate a whole conversation between you and the barkeep. But, in play by post that does happen sometimes interesting wow no, yeah i don't think that i would that's that's hard because i don't know if i'd feel comfortable with that because exactly. i i have a lot of desire to make npcs that are very specific right i mm-hmm. want to always be able to put the a specific type of npc in there to be able to interact with players in a certain way and for them yeah. to be evoked in a certain way their emotions to be evoked in a certain way uh, and so if somebody else else were trying to take away that type of agency from me, I'd feel weird about that. It is a strange system, and it does require a kind of level of trust. And honestly, I didn't really do it. I I don't know. When I was doing play-by-post, I think I was very desperate for a uh, group and D&D, and I really wanted to play because I – that is probably the the those are part of the reasons that I I never really got very deep into those campaigns is because um I never ever fixated on any of the the characters backstories at all. It was not interesting to me. Interesting. All I wanted to do was present my own story and setting and okay. they were just they were just uh uh facets that allowed me to get there, right? I see. So it wasn't that was problematic and I think a lot of DMs did that on play by post because play by post is what you do when you don't have time or the people to do a, a in-person session right. or even an online one, right? Online is already like, oh, well, I don't have time. But play-by-post, which is exactly why you started doing it, right, is because you didn't have the time to right. fix your schedule to to always meet up with that person and do play-by-post. Yeah. But I, go, Sorry, go ahead. No. You, you go. Um, so, yeah, Sorry. I guess what I was trying to say is, like, that for me feels like I would run into a lot of issues. And I think the issue that I did run into when I tried play-by-post was that I was looking for those emergent storylines, right? And I was trying yeah. to give my players or my player agency. And I don't know if I could just, like, it, especially with multiple people, um, it feels like it would be so much because I feel like after a certain point, I'd get frustrated. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, I post my post during one day, I come back the next day, and not yep. all of the players has resp- have responded. Well, I'm gonna say something else, right? And then all of a sudden, yep. I haven't had that one player have agency. And there's there's a certain like like fine line to walk between 
as a DM, I think this is like a very overarching kind of thing, especially in homebrew campaigns where you say, I want to tell this story, but at the same time, I have to recognize I'm not the only one telling the story. Some DMs have the desire to be the one telling the story and having people move through their story. And that's not really how I like to play. Um, And it sounds like you've kind of leaned a little bit more towards that way as you've matured as a DM as well. And Mm -hmm. and what do you think about that? Do you think that your play by posts would be the same way nowadays uh, as they were back then? Because it sounds like to me, those are you have very different mindsets. Yeah. So actually, I did go back to it um, years after I'd stopped and I did run a campaign that was supposed to be based entirely around people's backstory. But um, it also kind of fell short. And that's because. Like I said before, play by post moves very slowly, but um, it was better. People were more interested, I think. But it's interesting because, um, I don't know, people really, like, respond differently to that. And it's so hard to maintain a tone, you know? Yeah. Like, you can you can write a scenario in play by post that's super evocative, but it's only going to be evocative for the the next response, from every single player, right? right? And then after that, it's gonna, a day will have passed and they'll be in a totally different mood. So trying to carry out a conversation between an NPC and a player is damn near impossible because, I mean, it's, it's, they're like jumping around in mood and tone the whole time. You know, they might write this huge, eloquent, like paragraph one day and then the NPC goes, well, t- tell me what you mean. And then the next day they write three sentences. Right. And it's just like, it's such a disconnect there. Um, I, I don't know. Play by post was very ethereal in feel. Interesting. And I, I think I get that a little bit with playing online as well, okay. especially if I don't have video. Yeah. Because it's just like, I don't know when I'm like playing with people and I can see them, I can see their facial reactions and that alone, their own body language just tells me so much about what's going on for them. Like yeah. if they're leaned back, you know, eyes glazed over. I can obviously tell they're not paying attention, but if I can't see them, I don't know that. Right. And they're just being quiet. And it's, it's very hard to gauge. It's very hard to gauge. Yeah. I think a lot of people, especially players find, um, find playing online kind of boring or like difficult to focus in on, you know, I, I, I felt the, I mean, for the games that I've played and maybe I'm very lucky, which is, I mean, Mm -hmm. super fair. Um, I've had a little bit of, both of that but i felt more success than i felt failure which is good yeah um i I currently play uh play or dm three games online every week um okay one on monday one on thursday and one on saturday um wow okay and i dm the one on monday and i dm the one on saturday and for me, that's a lot. I know it is. Actually, <laughs> the one on Monday is coming to a close very soon. So hopefully, I can kind of just like, um, well, I, I, I want to put a lot of a lot of weight behind that ending because it means a lot yeah. to me, right? I've been putting a lot of work into that. Um, but it's are important. At the same time, I'm like, I need to, I need to kind of step back a little bit. I feel a little overloaded, and I need, I need to cut something somewhere. Uh, and I felt yeah. like that that was a good way for that to close. And and I mean, I've yeah. loved that campaign so much, uh, and I've learned so much from that campaign. Um, yeah. And so, but nonetheless, I feel like I have had moments from different campaigns, and for the privacy of all of the people in those campaigns, I'm not going to be telling you what session uh, it's going to be. 
but I've had moments in those campaigns where I've found people being less engaged. Um, and I've also, <clears throat> in more cases, found moments in where people, because there is no face, there is no actual person to, for them to look at, it's they're able yeah. to suspend their belief or disbelief of what's going on because they're not looking at me doing a performance. Interesting. Right? What they look what they wow. do is they're listening to me and then they hear me shift into another voice and they cannot yeah. even hear me become this they can't see me be this same person who's DMing, right? And like wow. as I as I That's change into that voice, it becomes a completely different experience for them because I, the voice of God says, you walk <laughs> into a tavern, you see a huge, uh, a hugely oversized built um, bar. You walk up to this bench, you try and heave yourself up over top of this stool and you look over to the bartender and you now realize why everything is built this way and you look at this Goliath of a man, eight feet tall, gray-skinned with these silver tattoos, and he looks down at you and says, and then they're, they're, it's like an audiobook of someone else dictating it to them as he goes, yeah. hey, what can I get for you? You know, it's a very different yeah. experience, right? And so oh, it is. So that, that to them makes, makes it even easier, but... Interesting. It's like it's a whole different thing where because like if if you were to be looking at someone, then all of a sudden there's this explicit understanding of them being right there and not being the person that you're you're saying. Um, yeah. So I think that's actually one of the benefits of not using video Immersion. chat. Um, but I also huh. think that that if you are a DM that uh, that does a lot of voices and like a lot of movements character wise and things like that, then you can definitely portray a different person by mannerism too. Um, so I, yeah. I think that that same type of thing can be evoked in people in in person, of course. But I think yeah. that um, it's it's a differing kind of feeling. Well, that actually is really interesting that you say that because I, I I never I guess I never really thought about that. But now that you say that, there was this one extreme example in play by post of a player actually quitting the campaign and becoming angry with me because I had involved their backstory in the game. What? Which is wild. Okay. Yeah. It's story time. Because, and the reasoning was this. Yes. The reasoning was this. Um, they had been playing play-by-post for so many years, and they had become so accustomed to the DM and everybody being so disconnected from the story that they were used to creating a character, and then that character runs through a gauntlet that is entirely unrelated to them. And so they had they had desired to have their backstory be something that informed the character's personality, but in no way had anything to do oh. with, with, like... It was like they, it was their own story that they were telling. Huh. So by including aspects of that story in the game, they were not enthused or involved. They were reminded that there was a DM. Wow. They wanted... They wanted total immersion as in um, no coincidences, you know, no, like, no uh, story threads tying back around. They found it to be unrealistic. And maybe it was. Maybe I didn't do it with the greatest elegance. That's certainly possible. I, I don't really remember the circumstances all that well. But um, it, it was very interesting to experience that because 
this person had done play-by-post for so long that it was like a video game to them. Wow. And they told a story, and then they participated in another story, but... The, and even though it was one story, they didn't want to feel like there even were other players. They didn't want to feel like there even was a dungeon master controlling mm. things from behind the scenes. They wanted to play it as though it was their own virtual reality that was entirely realistic and generated on its own and, and wouldn't like tie threads together in a, in a, uh, fabricated way like that. They were, they were actually upset because I had reminded them that there was a DM. That's which, so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And now, like, I'd never, I'd never had a experience like that. And I guess I, I never really figured out why that made sense until now. Yeah. I always thought that person was just a jerk. And maybe they were a jerk, <laughs> but there was a reason that they thought the things that they thought, right? And yeah. there was a perspective there that they tried and failed to explain to me at the time. It, yeah. Um, I think that's an extension of kind of what I'm talking about is kind of that suspension of disbelief. It makes a lot of sense. Interesting. I mean, in a certain way, right? I mean, yeah. there's always a certain way that you can justify the actions of any player that tries to cause that type of ruckus, I guess. But um, yeah. I think that, that that's true. That kind of moves into, you know, different players play differently between really do. table and online. I think this is something that I'd really like to touch on because mm. I think that it is a very different feeling for some people and some people transition better than others, right? Because some people mm-hmm. really need to be able to look across the table and be able to look at the yeah. person that's talking and be able to kind of non-verbally convey that they want to have a conversation. Whereas when you're mm-hmm. online, it's much more difficult to do that because you're you're limited by the technology. It's much harder to hear people when you're all talking at one time. And it's much more difficult for you to be able to make eye contact with someone because it's literally physically impossible. So um, it's very... Text them a picture of your eye. Well, you could text them a picture of your eye. That is is correct. I don't Uh, know if that counts as eye contact. Well, I mean... But I'm going to say it does. I mean, if you put them in your phone, like, and you, like, edit the contact and you you name them eye, then, I mean, you win. That's uh, essentially... Go ahead and, like, just... You go ahead and just text me yourself real quick me just, right now yep no, oh just God. text yourself to me <laughs> okay uh, you could do it by email i don't know maybe there's like a file size limit i'm so worried that this joke is going to take up more time than it really deserves on the podcast. <laughs> it already has <laughs> it already has um but no I, I feel like a lot of players transition differently right and and so i've had experiences yeah. where people in person i will look them directly in the eye and i'll be like i'm trying to have this conversation with you and it'll be a lot easier for them but then when they're online mm-hmm. it's much easier for for you to be on your phone. It's much easier for you to be browsing a different website when you're talking over yeah. Discord, right? There's totally. a, there's very different scenarios where it can be very jarring for people to try and engage with that because it's just not the way that they want to engage with the game. And that can be difficult when people are transitioning from being on a table, being very excited about a game, and then getting to online and just being like this just doesn't feel like the game that I wanted to play. Yeah. No, totally. I was going to ask about that, actually, because you said your your campaign is ending, um, your Monday campaign is ending, but it's ending online. How, how do you feel about that? Do you feel like something will be lost there? Do you feel like it's it's undeserved or like like it won't do the campaign justice? In a From what sense. I've seen, because I just kind of rejoined that campaign. I had been in, the, in it in the beginning and now I've rejoined it again. Mm-hmm. Um, 
from what I've seen, it's pretty damn epic. You're doing a very good I'm, job. I'm very happy. Thank but, you, buddy. I appreciate that so much. Yeah. Um, but I think that I, I do lose something, right? I lose a little mm-hmm. bit of it. Um, but I think if you work hard enough at it and you, I mean, it's honestly, sometimes it's a little bit more work for the DM because you can't convey as much, especially for a performant DM like me. I feel like there's some, some of it that's much more difficult for me to convey in, in, um, in online formats, but there are some things that are easier for me to convey. Um, music is a lot easier online actually it is legitimately it is easier much easier the and and I, this this can go later in the podcast when we talk about transitioning to online because i have a bunch of tips and tricks for people if they're trying to transition to an online game um yeah but i think that there are a lot of things that uh you know i i lose right because i can't look at someone and hatefully look at them in the eye as i'm playing a character <laughs> that doesn't yeah. like them right but yeah. i i I can also do that with my voice, you know? It's just a mm. different medium. It's a different way. It is. And I just have to kind of get much more... Sometimes I get a little bit more caricature-y, um, but I don't think that that's become a huge thing. Um, I would say that there would be sometimes when I have to be like, you know, very angrily talking at someone and then be like, he looks at you extremely menacingly. And I don't have to yeah. like say, he looks at you extremely menacingly in in person in person um, yeah but there is sometimes when i feel like it's a little bit more work um but so far i feel like that campaign is going out with a pretty good bang and yeah um i honestly i i feel really good about it and i don't think that i would change anything um i mean obviously if i could if i could put it in in person i would but like with the circumstances right now i feel i feel good about it and yeah. i think that really it comes down to your players putting in the effort and you putting in the effort because as long as your players are like you know what this isn't my favorite thing but what what's worse not playing the game or playing it online right that's a yeah. big that's a big True. thing and i think that if you talk to your players and you're all online and you're all uh, you're all on board. It can still turn out really great, and so far from what I've experienced, it's still turned out really great. Um, but I can yeah. I can see where it could not turn out great too, because you know when people start to disengage because of a lot of that stuff, it can become very frustrating. Except especially when a DM puts in a ton of time, and then all of a sudden yeah. this grand and epic journey that has been built up is all of a Absolutely. sudden interrupted by a Facebook video going off in the background. You know what I mean? Yeah. That can be that can be heartbreaking, right? Well, and even like it, it does. Because of the medium change, it does introduce different things. If you come to my house and you sit in my living room with me and we play D&D, like, it's very unlikely that we're going to get certain disturbances and interruptions. Whereas online, your internet can go out, your system can stop working for some reason, your computer can unexpectedly need to install updates and shut down or something like that, you know? You can um, uh, be interrupted. If, some, if someone sees you sitting at your computer, they're probably going to be like, yeah, I could go talk to that person, and they might come up to you and talk to you, or there's a million other distractions or things that might happen. If you get to a break and somebody leaves to go make food or something, but then they're taking a super long time, nobody else can go get them. You know, right. there's all these, like, kind of, like, I don't know what, how to phrase it. Risks? It's not really a risk. It's just like a potential disturbance. Yeah. And furthermore, I think, especially because you are a very technologically savvy person, I like to think that I am somewhat, but probably not are. at the same level as you. Um, but 
at that because of that, you do have more options available to you as a DM. But I also I think running the game is potentially a larger workload. You have more it things is. that you need to like keep tabs on. In the past, for instance, one of the homebrew rules that I've had for running a uh, uh, online campaign is I don't want you to message me. I don't want you to type up a paragraph and then DM it to me. And then I have to like pause the whole game and go read it and then write one back to you. I would rather have like a separate like voice channel called secret where we both just jump in, have a quick conversation and then jump back out. You know, if even that, I I think there is a greater, a much, much greater potential for secrecy if that's something you want to have in your game, in your game. But I don't want to just leave everybody hanging like that. You know, I agree. But on the other hand, like you have brought up good points about like potential, um, benefits that it has when when i like to have very loud music yeah. i really do it's it's i'm mostly deaf because of that but uh i've had multiple times when i'm trying to run a game and i'm like doing a boss fight or something and i'm in, like super into it blasting music and like shouting and my player's like can you turn that down like what the <laughs> i remember heck? us being i can't hear myself shrieking king and it was yep. like it was like hey zach this is so epic we're in love with this boss fight can you please turn the music down i cannot hear jerry <laughs> yep yep no it was just blasting techno music being like yes. he's electrocuting you all and you were like what is happening <laughs> yeah it's all part of a distraction technique yeah no, but uh so i think i think there's I don't know. I wanted to hear what you have to say about, like, the workload for a DM yeah. and how that affects you. And if you, like, are you more distracted? Do you feel more scramble-brained while you're running it? So, yeah, I have a couple different things that I have to worry about in person, right? So I have the music tab, mm-hmm. and then I have, like, my initiative tracker, and then I'll have notes, and then I'll have, um, you know, like, monster stuff and things like that. And hopefully that's all fine, right? And hopefully I will be able to kind of you know, um, I, I will be able to have all of that and flip through it at a normal pace. And sometimes I make like other applications. Like, so for example, if I have like random magical effects that I have to do, I'll make like a random magical effect generator or something like that. Right. And, and hopefully all of those things are fine in and of themselves to where I don't need to, um, I don't need to flip through too many things. Now, when I'm running a game online, I often end up with accidentally like 20 tabs open, right? Because I have to have yeah. Discord and then I have to go back to, back to my notes and then I have to go back to, yeah. um, you know, grabbing things from YouTube that I then put into Discord and then I have to go do, um, you know, a bunch of little different things and I have all these extra little tabs that I, mm-hmm. I don't even really need to have at a certain point but i I all of a sudden do and then i have to go through discord and i have to find okay what channel do i put the bots in and then i have to uh, call the bots and then i have to make sure that i'm in the right channel for all the players and then um you know technical stuff it's a lot of little little things so it is it is a bit more work on the dm so if any of you are playing in a game that's online right now and you transitioned from in person thank your dm it's harder. Yeah. It's hard. It is, it is harder. It is harder in a certain, and especially, especially if you are not technically savvy. There is not oh, a God. big need to be technically savvy to play D and D at yeah. a table, and then all of a sudden you go online and you're like, okay, well, how do I add Discord bots to my server so yeah. that I can then call them? What commands do I need to put in this? And then how do I access certain commands that can then put? Um, that can then put like certain songs into this this 
thing yeah. that I'm trying to play, I mean, right? It's difficult. The, the good part of that is, like, those are accessories. They're really nice to have, That's and they fair. definitely help build atmosphere and stuff. But I have played, actually, probably the, the definitely the first campaign that I played in on Discord was literally voice chat. There was a Discord, there was a Discord uh, server, and we got on that server, and we got in voice chat, and that was the game. I had a okay. written character sheet in front of me, and that was it. There was there was no accessories, no gimmicks, nothing. We didn't even roll dice on on the Discord. We just rolled it in person and told what what our results were, and it worked. It was yeah. fine. I played a uh uh oh like a um. What are they called in Skyrim? The the tree people? Spriggan. Spriggan. I basically pr- played a, a Spriggan druid, which was pretty fun. Okay. She was a little bit murderous. Her name was Vika. I um, often find I hear about your characters, Zach, and I hear that they are often murderous. I am worried. No. <laughs> well, you know, violence is something that sometimes happens when people exist in front of me. <laughs> but, uh, so, like, the, I think the potential... For And that's actually also true of tabletop, right? Like, you can have minis, you can have D&D Beyond, oh, yeah. you can have music going on, you can have, like, a whole map layout, or you can have some friends who are all to there. You that's know? also and, super like, fair. Sheets. That's and maybe, fair. like, one set of books that's among them. And I've fair. played both ways, you know. So, they are, they are, I would say that online has a much better and bigger capacity for uh, uh, accessories and things that greatly contribute to the game, and I honestly view as necessities. I would, I wouldn't really want to play a game where I couldn't have music. That that just yeah. sucks, and that's a, another facet of play by post. But, um, but yeah, I, at the same time, it is. I mean, you can have a whole bunch of accessories, and that is a lot to manage as the DM, especially if they yeah. start breaking and stuff, which yep. inevitably they do because technology is not perfect. But, um generally in my experience you can get like up and running you know what i mean yeah you can get everything going how you want it and queued how you want it and then start playing and hopefully there's not as many interruptions from you having to manage stuff but it depends especially like when you're shifting tones and stuff like that there can still be things that delay you uh in ways they wouldn't in real life i totally agree yeah i I think i think that um that's super fair of you zach to to maybe kind of reel me in a, a bit because I, <laughs> I think I think you're I, I agree with you right I am a person that that needs that music and so I went out and I looked and I tried to yeah. figure out how can I add this music to my online game and make it the most effective that I can but yeah. D&D is a game where you don't need basically anything you could sit down and just talk to your friends you know what I mean that's yeah. very fair right yeah it, at the same time it could have a higher uh, skill ceiling and that's or a skill floor uh, is what I meant to say. Um, but it doesn't have to, right? Because maybe you and your mm. friends are just excited about getting together, talking as your characters. And that's so fair, yeah. right? That is yeah. incredibly fair. Um, me trying to put that on anyone is not what I'm trying to do here, um, just to be no, super clear. Sure. But like, yeah, I mean, you're right. Like these are, these are accessories. And um, my tips and tricks are hopefully helpful for uh, everybody but at the same time take what you want and take what you can handle right because i think if you yeah. try and overload yourself too much trying to transition into an online game it can become exhausting right and i don't absolutely i i, I don't want 
people to feel exhausted because we all just want to have fun playing D&D. We all just want to have fun being with our friends, you know? Yeah. No, I totally agree with that. And I will say, uh, uh, you are, I don't mean to tear you down too hard. You are an excellent DM, and people would do very well to follow in your footsteps if they are trying to transition to an online game because you always have had a very impressive wherewithal. I, re- I remember when you had never DM'd before, to my knowledge, and... Uh, I thought you were an excellent player, and then I played in a campaign that you ran, and I was like, "Wow, had like I can't, I couldn't believe it because you had been playing for such a short amount of time, and you were already such an excellent DM, oh, and it, it, it really blew me away, and it continues to blow me away. Um, I you are a, a very wise individual, Alan. Oh boy, um, you're scared giving me. <laughs> I, seriously though, I do, I do appreciate that, Zach. That makes me feel yeah. very, um, very appreciated. I I appreciate you saying that about me because that type of stuff is is sometimes. Uh, lost on uh, on on DMs sometimes. I feel like we put a lot of effort in, yeah. and unless those characters come to us after the game and say, "Man, like that that impacted me," then it's yeah. hard for us to kind of get that feedback. So I really appreciate yeah. that, buddy. Thank you so much. Um, and I, I would definitely turn the same thing around. I mean, I would never have felt the way that I do about Malak unless I played him in a campaign <laughs> where it felt so impactful. You know what I mean? So. Good. Um, I would I would definitely turn it around and say the same thing. I mean, there is a reason why, uh, you know, I mean, when I have characters and I'm like, I really want to make them feel realistic. Um, there is a, you know, a, a certain something where I need to like play and DM at the same time so I can feel the desire of both, yeah. you know, um, and yeah. and having games where I played with you where I could feel like I was embodying those players or that those characters was um, really important too. I think we, we can get more into this with our like how we develop as players and as DMs podcast, which is coming up soon. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody tune in yeah, for yeah. that, you MFers. Um, but uh, but <laughs> wow. now, like like when I played my very first campaign with you and when I was playing Keelik, right? That was um, uh-huh. me playing. I was like, I need a backstory for someone else. And you were like, ah, okay, cool, whatever, dude. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, I need a backstory for this campaign that I'm writing, right? And I, I was yeah. like, well, let's play this and we'll see how it goes. And then I was like, this is not happening. I, I swapped out that character for something completely different when we got there. Um, and yeah. then like later I had these backstories. I was like, here's where I come from. Here's this. And then let me embody this character. And it was a completely different experience, right? Um, and yeah. that's just because I think I was given a little bit more leeway with that. And I think that's a testament to your DMing. So, um, mm. yeah. Interesting. I, I think if I compare the DM that I am now to that DM back then, uh, it was wildly different. I had very different perspectives on the game, mm-hmm. which is strange. It's very strange to have changed so much in such a short period of time and like have so many different ideas now. D&D is about growth, know. man. It's about growth. D&D is, to be perfectly clear to anyone and everyone listening to this, um, D&D is wonderful. And the reason oh, so that it good. is wonderful is not for its entertainment value. It is wonderful for its transformative ability and its ability to... I agree put you in different shoes and make you learn new things that you never knew. Yeah. It's, it's an unprecedented uh, tool of engaging and interacting with other humans and with ideas and concepts. 100%. It really is. Yep. I, I, it's I, beautiful. I, and that I think is why but, it's so important to maintain these games that you start as a table game and then move into uh, an online game because those type of things mm-hmm. are important to me, right? When I play a game with someone and I want yeah. to enjoy that time with them and I look at, you know, the entirety of what we've built 
and how we've grown in that campaign and what we've looked at and what hard things that we've tried to analyze. I can't give that up, right? Because I want to keep going with that. I want those games where I feel like I'm being challenged mentally, right? When I leave a game furious, (laughs) that is is transcendent, right? I have been told a story that I hate so much that I have been like, like, so for example, like, uh, like a couple weeks ago, I had this session that I played in and basically my character was stripped of a ton of different things that made him feel like an individual. And I was, yeah, I was livid, livid yeah. as the character. Right. I mean, yeah. I, I, obviously I wasn't that upset at the DM cause you know, that's not, that's not, I mean, it's his, re, it's his like job to make me feel that way right yeah uh, and to challenge you yeah, yeah and and that happened and i was like damn man like i'm mad i'm really mad but like when you examine that stuff and you feel like wow like this game has given me a perspective on this stuff that i didn't expect it is yeah. transformative and very um rewarding in many different ways you may not expect it at the time and you may just be mad but when you look back retrospectively i think if you um, if you objectively come at that situation, it's it always feels good to have existed yeah. in a campaign when you felt such visceral emotion. Absolutely. Good or bad or everything in between. I yeah. mean, when you care, that is important because, man, okay, I like video games. I play a lot of video games. Oh, yeah. Rarely does my character die and I reload and I care, right? Yeah. Rarely does something happen and I care. I mean, there are narrative video games like Last of Us and stuff like that that are uh, uh, praised for their storytelling capability. But I really don't think any medium has the potential for storytelling and for involving the audience better than D&D. D&D yeah. blows them all out of the water. And it's kind of sad in a way that it hasn't – that that potential hasn't necessarily been realized on a more massive scale potentially until now. I, I mean, I know it, you know it, our players know it. Uh, yep. People play D&D and they, it, it does change the way they even look at the world. But, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it just, it's such a cool, it's, it's a cool, good game. It's a good game. Good game. Good game. Very good game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But sorry, I'm, I'm, I keep leading us off topic. <laughs> so okay, to get, worry. to get back to, uh, playing online, yeah. would you like to discuss like tips and tricks that you yeah, have? I'd for, love to do that. Uh, um, for playing online? Yeah. Or transitioning to online? Yes. Um, so, uh, I, uh, I will provide some tips and tricks, tips and tricks for um, the way that I I do it. Um, mm-hmm. Right now, um, a very popular chatting service is Discord. Uh, I don't know if that will be the way in the future, but I find that I have a lot of success with that. And so I'm going to give some kind of like Discord yeah. specific tips and also some um, some non Discord specific tips. Um, but yeah. what I have as a current um, a current way of doing things may not work for everybody, but it's a way that works mm-hmm. for me. So with Discord, I have a couple different things that I like to do. I think that the persistent chat for me, and this necessarily isn't all, only for Discord because there's a lot of places that allow persistent chat in, in many different possible created channels. Um, but I think that creating text channels, a lot of them, is a good idea. Because what I do is I will assign everyone a specific role and then I will go through and basically set one chat to a specific role for that person. So like only me and one other character can access that 
text chat. And then I will name that text chat, you know, uh, for example, there's a character in one of my games called Zanvorn, right? And I will say, this is Zanvorn's notes, right? And then Zanvorn will put down whatever she wants in her own notes, and then she can do whatever with those notes and utilize those. And that way I can go look through them, make sure that I understand where that player is coming from. And then I can also uh, have that player have some place in the the actual game where they're at the table, right? In the Discord server. Um, or whatever server they want. I'm at, they're at the table and writing their notes at the table and trying to keep yeah. them there in that moment, right? Because That's I feel a really like, good way to keep text. Right, exactly. Really yeah, and it's it's very helpful. And you know, um, I think there's a big thing. Um, some people really benefit from doing a lot of notes. Um, I've also talked to a lot mm-hmm. of neurodivergent people who have played in my games who 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 physically don't have a lot of ability to write notes. Um, and that's okay. Um, I think I've found success in just kind of prompting those players to be like, hey, give me a quick summary right while we're talking right now, and then you don't have to look at it again. And that way, because I've had people who, um, it gives them some anxiety to write notes. And so wow. just trying to keep those people in mind is really valuable. And to be like, hey, you don't even have to write a lot. Um, yeah. Three questions that I always ask my players to write in their notes after every session is, how are you feeling? What do you want to remember? And what questions do you want to ask? Uh, and those yeah. are the three things that I ask them to write down uh, and yeah. and as their character. That way they can look at those at the beginning of the next session and say, oh, yeah, I remember how I was feeling. I, I remember what I want to accomplish, and I remember what I want to ask. Um, uh, so, very cool. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I remember you did that for me in a past campaign. It's very valuable, right? And I've even done that in, in person as well. Um, so I think that's a really valuable thing. Um, and, and if you can try and do that, it gives that same sense that we were talking about earlier of having a table to come to, right? Having a discord server instead of just like a random, uh, like a random zoom meeting or like a random, um, yeah. or Skype meeting, it feels like there's a table, there's a place there's a for dedicated us to space go to. For it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so that's really valuable to me. Um, uh, I think that's good. Uh, I have a community in game notes and a general chat as well. So general would be things yeah. like people t- posting like, Oh, Hey everybody, are we still playing at this time tonight? And yeah, scheduling and, and things like that are very reasonable. But like in game, it would be like, Oh, everybody remember this name or remember this magical item that we have or things like that. I will yeah. also say that I find a lot of benefit from bots. So this is discord specific, but I add two bots for um, for music and for ambiance in my games. Very I find nice, nice. I find that um, having those really allows me to add an extra uh, layer of uh, realism to my games uh, or cool. or immersion. So I have uh, a bot called Rhythm and a bot called Groovy, and you can it's super easy to add them to your chat. But if you want to go ahead and yeah. Google those, you can add them to any server, and then they have a whole list of different commands that you can utilize with those, including yeah. playing a YouTube video, um, and you could it could be anything from music to like whale sounds that it's I a lot before. It's a, I recently copied you and I was looking through some of the functionality oh, and yeah. it kind of blew me away it's amazing right and then you can loop it so like if you do like like dash loop for groovy mm-hmm. or or exclamation point loop for um for rhythm it will just loop the same song so you can have the same type of feeling and then change things up as you want 
Uh, and there's a lot nice. to learn with them. So I can understand there being like a ceiling or a, a skill floor that kind of like is necessitated with that. Um, but it really yeah. isn't that bad. If you just want to play a song, just like dash play and then enter a YouTube link. And it's super yeah. simple, right? It is. Um, Even just yeah. that is already like, that's probably enough functionality for many people, I think. Because you and can I also, agree. that doesn't even have to be music. That could be anything. anything. That could be a roaring gorilla sound effect, yeah. which is exactly how I'm going to use it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and, and, yeah, exactly. And, and and the great thing about it, too, is that players can all right-click the um, the music bot, and they can change it to their mm-hmm. own preferred volume, right? So, like, yep. there's no chance... There's no chance for Zach to be blaring music into my ears when we are facing yeah. off against the final battle, because I'll just be like, oh, this music's a little too loud. I'll just turn it down. So, that is one of the one of the downsides, is you, you can't deafen your players, which which, you know, I'm not super thrilled about that. I wish I wish I could control the volume on your computer, but it's just uh, right. It didn't build that in for some reason. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Wait, know, do you mean like you can't deafen your players like you can't like you can't make them be quiet? No, like what you just said is like you get to control the music level on your computer. I don't ah, like that. I see. I don't want I you to be able saying. to hear me. You want I don't, me I don't to want lose you to know hearing. what's going on. That's what you're yes. saying. You want me to lose yes. the ability to hear. Okay. I want you to be sense. disoriented. I don't want sense. you to know where you are. Okay. Yes. I understand I want you to see black now. spots in your vision. I see. That's a good DM right there. If you're seeing black spots when you're playing D&D, yes. then your DM is excellent. Yes. If your blood is gushing from your eyes because the music <laughs> is too loud, your DM <laughs> is doing a great job, and you should thank them, honestly. Um, <laughs> Although you probably can't because you're probably dead. Because you're probably dead, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know. <laughs> no, but um, so going back to some more tips and tricks, um, you're going to keep you're gonna keep pulling me away, Zach. <laughs> I'm going to derail you every chance I get. <laughs> I also have three different voice channels generally for every um for every game that i run and it's general in game and hallway and the hallway comes from uh from the apartment that actually zach was my roommate in uh, and we would if there was anything secret we would always walk out into the hallway of the apartment complex and talk about it and so i i named my back and forth I na- yes, I named my secret channels the hallway so that we can actually still That's have that wonderful. type of feeling. Um, and the hallway yeah. is only accessible to the DM. Um, and that way, I can go in there and then I can drag other people into that area too. And it will allow no other players to accidentally hear what we're talking about. And I find that really valuable because... If I have things that I want to specifically say or whisper to one character, I hate... I hate that as well. Um, if it's little yeah. things where it's like the player is like, oh, wait, can I cast this spell at this time? Then I'm like, yeah, whatever. Like, just DM me. It just, it's okay. But, like, yeah. if they go on a, a huge paragraph diatribe, like you were saying earlier, that's yeah. horrid. It's kind of hard. It's horrid, right? And so That's a lot of sitting there for everybody else. Yes. And including the player who sent it. Yes. I find it a lot easier to be able to meter that time if I'm talking to them in person and I, I find it a lot easier to be able to give them that um, that moment of, you know, um, that moment of of actually being able to understand or hear that character that's talking to them in secret. That's important to me, right? Because yeah. I want them to be able to understand that that character really doesn't want anyone else to hear. And it's only them yeah. that's hearing it. Well, and also, like, clarity is also an aspect of that. I mean, that was, like, like... I've, I've had it so many times, especially on play-by-post, actually, come to think of it, where uh, someone will message me, and then I'll message them back, and they won't 
they'll misunderstand something. And then they write a whole big thing again, and I have to waste time reading it. And I'm like, no, this happened or something. And yeah. that's awful. That's all, yeah. that's like just – Especially when it moves that slowly. That's just pissing in the wind. Like that's just stupid. You know, then they have to go back and rewrite their own paragraph. Yeah. I don't like that. That happens in play-by-post a lot too, which that's a whole other thing. But yeah. Ooh, like so editing I, post their paragraph being put in? Oh, my God. No, like just misunderstandings. Oh. Like I describe a scene and maybe that day I wasn't feeling it, so I didn't do a good enough job. And then somebody posts their first action in combat, except it makes no sense because they think something is in a place that it's not. Or they think there's more enemies than there really are. Oof. Or they misunderstand the scenario in some way. And that's a lot of wasted time. Yeah. So that that the having a, a subset voice channel also avoids that, which I, I really like. Yeah. Uh, I would also say that one last anyway, thing that continue. I... Continue. Uh, sorry. Sorry. Yeah, no, one last <laughs> thing that I would suggest is I find it very valuable. Um, there are a lot of people that are like me who require some sort of visual aid when in combat and things like that. I find it very valuable to even just have a grid to walk around on Um, because for me, that gives me some sort of idea of spatial awareness. I know that there's a lot of people who can just be like, okay, he's about 10 feet away from you and that can be understood in like the theater of the mind. But for me, I, Mm. I find it very valuable to go on to something that, um, that gives me a visual representation of what's happening too. So there are a couple different programs that are out there um, that have uh, that have a visual aid to them, um, and I think there's a lot of good ones. So I don't necessarily want to call attention to anyone in specific, um, but uploading a map to that and then putting your players down on it, uh, it's it's very useful to me. Um, but I would say that there are some that provide, like they try and provide an all-in-one experience where they try and do voice chat too. And like I said, I want I want the voice channel to be the table, right? I don't want the game yeah. and the visual aspect to be the table. So I generally try and steer away from that. But I think that sometimes a visual aid can be really helpful. And, you know, that doesn't have to be crazy every time you know it could even be as simple as you turning on your webcam and being like look guys i drew this map like here it is you know that's that's yeah you can totally do that but i mean i I do think scantron going or something yeah exactly yeah and i think that there's a lot of possibilities online for visual aids that i think that um are are valuable to try and look at Mm -hmm. but once again it does add that extra level of necessity as a dm to try and understand it because it's a it is a big transition, right? Because there's yeah. a difference between me being at a table and just drawing on a piece of paper and me going in, learning a new system, learning how to give people control of their icons, making icons for them, going yep. through this and finding a map, going through and finding the bad guy tokens, right? And oh it's, boy. it's a lot, right? It's, it's a ton. And so yeah, understanding that system too, it's a boon and a challenge. Um, so I think that mm. you kind of have to weigh that for yourself and find one that makes a lot of sense to you because there are some that are easier than others as well and some strategies that are easier than others but um, if you are looking for them I would definitely try and do a little bit of research and even uh, asking sometimes on online forums is a valuable way to gain that type of insight as well yeah well I'll say this I have a little tip and trick right here I'm going to trip you and then I'm going to trick you and then I'm going to give you a tip Uh, it's going to be three cents (laughs) Um, (laughs) so on discord you can share your screen. Yeah. So what I have done in the past and will definitely do in the future because ah. it has worked wonders is I just I have I have two screens on my computer. I just boot up uh, 
like a, a I've paint.net. So I just have an image. I have a drawn map already with a grid and everything. And I have multiple layers on there. And then I just boot that up and then have it in my uh, uh, I have screen share on that. Yeah. And so then people can tell me exactly where they want to move me. It's hard because they I have to kind of like move my cursor around and they have to tell me, no, left, right, you know, that many squares up, that many squares over. Yeah. Having like a numbered grid can help with that, you know, like A, B, C, D, E, F, G along the top and then like one, two, three, four, five down the side and then like A5. I want to move to A5, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but I found that that works very, very well. I, I like the ones where they can move their own tokens to an extent – but I really like uh, having a more sophisticated image editor than that um, because I can, like, actively draw things and stuff. And I, I know how that image editor works because that's where I draw my maps and stuff. So there's that. And then also I wanted to mention that I am an avid Reddit u- user and um, I have been uh, uh, meticulously saving posts oh, yeah. from Earthporn oh. to my device for probably close to like two years now so i have a giant folder of just nature just cool mountain ranges and Very forests nice. and stuff like that and i take my settings and and uh whatever setting i'm gonna run i'll have places and locations in that setting in like f- in file names and i will sort those images into file names and then if i'm playing over a electronic medium i will just be like hey you guys enter this new area picture of a jungle and it's like a real life picture i can do that with like characters too right i can like draw i mean if you're feeling particularly artsy you can draw like a little like caricature of a person's face and then people literally can associate a picture that that exists wow with a character that that you are describing i don't think i even thought about that it's a decent amount of work but it's very fun and you don't have to do it for everybody but you could do it for like key individuals and stuff like that and you can like help set the scene that way yeah those are exciting things that i i like to do when i'm running an online game because there is no visual medium you're not looking at me so you may as well look at something you know no point just staring at a computer screen i totally understand that yeah i think that maybe what we're leaning towards is there's a lot of options here are the ones that we've um we've kind of experienced and oh yeah i think that what this kind of shows is there's an almost infinite way of trying to run games online but if you have any other options and you're thinking that maybe you'd like to try something creative hell yeah do it and then try Try and and aim in whatever direction you'd like based on success or failure i think that one of the greatest boons about DD is that it's never the same right it's never going to be the same in any way Mm -hmm. in setting in place that you play um in game in players everything right and so when you um when you go into being a dm online as well be creative take the ideas that we've had if those help you that's great but if you have other ideas try them out give it a go every dm is different and just as i utilize these like online game uh game visualizers and you know, that's good for me. You know, Zach drawing his own maps is good for him. And that makes yeah. a lot of sense. So whatever makes sense to you, that is what I would try and aim towards. Because absolutely utilizing, I mean, you could you could copy someone's setup and you would be like, wow, this is kind of cool. But like, it's not my setup. That's mm-hmm. very valid. 
So I would say if these are helpful, that's great. We want to be able to help provide those type of things, but at the same time, keep an open mind and look for ways that you can change it to be yours because that's all D&D is, right? Like we want it to be feel personal and we want it to feel um, like reasonably understandable by us as people. And so don't let our stuff um, overshadow that or feel like this is the definitive way to do it. I think that that is almost never the way to think about things in D&D. Um, so I think that, yeah, t- hopefully these were helpful, um, but don't take it as writ. You know what I mean? So, yeah. yeah. No, totally. I, I will say this. Uh, as I said, or as has been stated, I have been playing D&D for a long time. I have ideas about D&D, but... I mean, it's a podcast. We're human beings. We're DMs, but we're also human beings. We may have some insights for you as a DM. We may have some advice, and it may be worth trying out. But hold your own, you know. Stand on solid ground. You you will have ideas, and it's it's good to try them out, and it's good to, to not second-guess yourself too much, you know. So take everything we say with a grain of salt. I'm sure that I run games that some people would find fantastic and other people would find miserable. I'm sure that the way that I DM is not necessarily the right way. There is no right way to DM as, as you were saying, Alan. Yeah, so. but it's Zach's way and that's the best way for Zach. Exactly. So, mm. and especially even, even just at this time, you know what I mean? Cause we all change. So, um, yeah, yeah, man, I think that really wraps right. it up quite nice, uh, with yeah, a little bow so. on there. That was good. I like that one. I agree. Um, uh, Zach, is there anything else you'd like to say before we skedaddle? Um, I don't believe so. Should we close this one out? Yeah, I think so. Well, everybody, I think that uh, we would both like to say, well, I hope for Zach as well, uh, that we we hope that you had a nice day. We hope that you had a nice time hanging out with us here today. Um, I know I've had a blast just sitting here and talking as well. Um, if you are listening, we appreciate you so much. Um, this type of stuff is just our passion, and to be able to share that with other people is hugely uh, rewarding. So if you are listening, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to give us that that moment of, of your life, and we hope that this moment of our lives has been valuable for you too. Um, and we hope that these tips and tricks have helped you and this conversation has maybe opened your eyes. So um, I think that's all I got to say. Um, Zach, you ready to skedaddle? I mean, you guys speak for yourself, man. I hate you guys. Okay. Fireball. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's it. Okay. All right. I got to go recover. Uh, How much fire damage is that? That's 8d6. Do you want to roll that? I'll I'll roll my dex throw. I'll roll my dex throw. I don't (laughs) roll the damage that kills you. You have to do it. (laughs) 